Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Friday morning, the 14th of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. As you've been hearing, Gardy investigating the murder of Ashley Murphy in Tullamore on Wednesday afternoon say the man who was arrested and detained in relation to that fatal assault has now been released from his detention and he is no longer a suspect in this case. He has been eliminated from the investigations, which makes a terrible story all the more horrific. It means that the real killer is at large and when we say that a manhunt is underway, make no mistake, Gardaí are looking for the man who did this. It could only be a man who did what the killer on the loose did to Ashling Murphy. We hope to speak to many women on the programme today and as a man, I'll just have one question for all of the women who join us on the programme today and that is, what are your thoughts? You're welcome to share your thoughts with us on the programme if you wish, uh, particularly if uh, you're a woman listening to us uh, this morning and you have any thoughts uh, in relation to this or in relation to how safe or unsafe it is to be a woman in this country in this day and age. We'd love to hear from you. Let's begin the programme with Orla O'Connor, who's uh, the Director of uh, the National Women's Council of Ireland. The Women's Council will hold a vigil in Dublin today at four o'clock. It's one of many vigils around the country. Good morning to you, Orla, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. What are your thoughts? Good morning, uh, Michael. I mean, I think we're really seeing across the country uh, today, I think just how devastated people are um, at, at the horrendous um, killing of Ashley Murphy um, and and clearly people you know people want to do something they want to show their support and solidarity to um, to Ashley's family to her friends to the community in Tullamore I think we're all heartbroken to hear you know the stories of the young children who were expecting Ashley to teach them I think it's, it's, it's a really I think it's a really difficult day. And we also know, you know, from what we can see on social media, just how this has triggered for many women their own experiences of um, of, of physical violence, of sexual violence. So I think it's it's, it's a really difficult time. Um, and also, we're seeing really clearly as well just how much the, the threat of violence and the fear of violence 
is limiting women's lives. So, you know, over the last 48 hours, we're really, you know, seeing, you know, so many of the experiences of women and things that they won't do, uh, don't feel comfortable doing because of that concern about uh, about violence. Um, and that's, you know, I think it's really important that we hear that. Um, and it's important that people can express that. But it's wrong. It's wrong. Women shouldn't have to limit their lives in this way. And it feels at the moment, you know, certainly from all the contacts to the Women's Council and I think to women's organisations today, it does feel like a sort of a watershed moment in terms of how we try to end violence against women. Your vigil is at four o'clock today and uh, you're asking to be people to bring flowers or candles. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, when we announced this um, vigil, it was very much in response of women and men, and I think that's really important to say, this is about all people who contacted us saying, can we do something, can, how do we show our support? And now, I mean, as, as you said at the start, this has taken off right around the country. I mean, I think in every city there is a vigil, a vigil this evening. Um, and we're also, we know that some people, because lots of people are saying, well, you know, we can't get to it, to have a moment of silence at 4.30 and to light a candle in, in, in memory of, of Ashling Murphy. And it, it is about, you know, people showing their support support to the family and to the community um, and I know as well it is you know there is definitely an expression of anger there at, at what's happened and what is happening in our society that that can enable this to happen so there are lots of you know there are lots of serious things that need to be done but I do think that, you know the moment today and at the vigil it's very much about the memory of Ashling and and showing support and solidarity. Okay, thank you, Orla O'Connor, director of the National Women's Council of Ireland. That vigil at four o'clock outside of Dáil Éireann today. Also at four o'clock, a, a vigil at Bettystown Beach, a vigil in Oldcastle, a vigil in Navan. At half four, a vigil in Drogheda. At half four, a vigil in Castle Blaney. There will be a vigil at half six in Kells and at seven o'clock in Dundalk. Imelda Munster is a Sinn Féin TD for Loud and East Me and on the line now and good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us. What are your thoughts today? I suppose anger is the first one um, when the news broke of Ashleen, a young woman's life being cruelly and brutally stolen in broad daylight in a busy place, you know, um, and anger is your first thought, you know, uh, the, the culture of violence against women, I mean, that's the thing that needs needs to end. And, you know, just listening to conversations yesterday um, just about, you know, uh, people saying that apps and alarms and panic buttons are limiting limiting your lifestyle. You know, whether you go out for a walk with a friend or if the friend's not available that evening, you cancel your walk. All of these things go through women's minds on a daily basis. And while some of those you know, panic buttons or alarms might give comfort. They don't actually solve the culture of violence against women, you know, whether that's at home or in public. And it's safe streets and culture change is what women need. And men need to address this. And young boys and teenagers from an early age need to be aware that it's not okay, and they need to be educated, you know, from a very, very early age, because every woman... Every woman, unfortunately, has experienced some sort of violence or threat or harassment at some stage in their life, unfortunately. What We've is all experienced something. I'm sorry. What, what, what is it that's not OK? It's not OK that, you know, you're uncomfortable. Now, 
this happened in broad daylight. So that's what sent shivers down people's spines, you know, that somebody felt it was okay um, in their head that they could carry out that um, attack and actually murder someone in broad daylight in a place that is normally busy. When I was thinking of that area, I was thinking of the ramparts in Drogheda. But it's not okay that women, particularly come darkness, have to think, will I be able to walk home or dread the walk home or constantly looking over their shoulder? Or, as I say, for the most part, not all the time, but if you see women walking, they're usually walking in twos, not always now, but um, particularly uh, after dark. And that's, that's not okay, that you have to limit your life or your lifestyle just to accommodate the fear that's there, uh, the very real fear. I mean, we've all experienced something that, that you know, froze us to the bone, you know, and I had experienced something like that last year. And the fear that grips you is just, and I wouldn't be someone, you know, like most people, you just go about your day, day-to-day business and you wouldn't be, I wouldn't normally, but until that happened to me, you just, you're so conscious all the time now that you're wary, you know, after dark, if you're on your own, that you're looking behind you, if you see someone coming towards you. And it's a horrible feeling and it's a horrible thing that you're looking at the person coming towards you as well. But if you've experienced anything like that, it just stays with you, unfortunately. And that's that's wrong. It's just, it's wrong. And women, as I said, shouldn't have to limit their lives like that. Join up the dots, if you would, please, Imelda Munster, because I think there's a bit of a stretch between what you've just described and what very young schoolboys are doing. You said that it starts there. What should young schoolboys be taught to do differently so that they don't end up as that person who intimidated you late at night? It's, well, that was actually, that happened to me in broad daylight, um, very early one morning on my way to work in Dublin. But um, young boys from an early age should be taught to have respect for women. And I'm not blanketing every young teenager in this, but, you know, it can start with, say, wolf whistles. It can start with two or three teenagers in a car and they see a girl on their own, they slow down the car and they start, you know, calling out obscenities to them or they look at women as an object or whether it's grown men on a building site, all of that sort. But but young boys at school and teenagers should be taught from a very early age that that's not okay and that violence, women are not easy prey and that violence against women or harassment or threats, none of that is okay. And they have to have equal respect for women and they should be, you know, taught that, that it's embedded in them from a very early age, that they're not... You know, and I mean, I'm not comparing like with like with what happened um, with Ashling and the brutality of um, her life being stolen. But, you know, if if young boys from an early age know that it's not OK to treat women like that, that's a start. And it, it becomes, you know, they stop and think before they do it. But it's been allowed to grow in, in our society, that culture that it's okay or that women are easy prey, that culture of violence has been allowed to fester, if you like. And again, I'm not, you know, saying all men or anything like that, but if you start seriously from a very, very early age in educating young boys and teenagers that it's not okay, you know, 
bit by bit, it'll become the, the norm in society that it's not acceptable and any sort of violence or any sort of threat or whether it's all the stalking and all that sort of thing or, you know, attacks that it it's the mentality of very small minority of men in society that if they see a woman on their own instantly, they think she's easy prey, whether it's for, you know, to say something, you know, obscenity to her or to, to frighten her or to follow her or that sort of thing. And that all has to stop. Imelda Munster, thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. The thing about uh, the murder of Ashley Murphy, of course, is that it was a random attack. Well, it wasn't. Uh, not according to Orla Muldoon, a professor of psychology at the University of Limerick. She's writing about it in the Irish Times today, saying it wasn't random and that there are patterns and connections between events that result in women's deaths at the hands of men. They're worth rehearsing as they make it clear that there is a way forward if only we are willing and able to acknowledge these systemic influences. The first clear pattern evident is that more often than not, women experience violence at the hands of men. Often we speak of women who are killed or women who are assaulted, women who are raped. We erase from the narrative for those who are responsible for these acts. Disproportionately, year on year, the pattern is clear nationally and internationally. Men kill women, men assault women, men harass women. Not all men, not even many men, but it is nearly always men, not women, who kill women. The second part we can be sure about from years of criminological research is that more often than not, men build up to extreme violence. Men who perpetrate life-threatening violence against women tend to build up to this point of their criminal careers. Perpetrators usually start with jeering, street harassment, exposure, groping. Yet we rarely intervene when men perpetrate entry-level violence. Recently, a teacher recounted to me a story of a male pupil who exposed himself to girls and women in school. When the teacher went to report it, a male colleague laughingly labelled him a legend. It is time to stop in their tracks those who commit entry-level violence. Too often this behaviour is ignored or even condoned. More rarely is it prosecuted or punished. The Uh, leads me to the third pattern we can be sure about. Lower level violence and harassment is a widespread problem. Women report street harassment routinely when they walk, run and cycle and while men also experience street harassment, a wide range of studies using multiple methods indicate that the intensity and nature of the harassment differ by gender. Men have fewer harassment experience overall and they seldom report harassment that has a sexual tone. However hard it may be to hear, it is some not all but too many men's behaviour that is the issue not women's a final pattern is that though this problem has been highlighted previously many times policy responses have been limited if not almost entirely absent in 2018 many many women myself included highlighted the issue of street harassment and risks faced by women exercising in public space in Ireland I wrote about this in uh, the Irish Times it has been covered in running magazines by national and local broadcasters. Many other women came forward to highlight their experiences of exercising in public spaces. Walkers and cyclists face similar issues. Uh, And there are things that can be done, but they're not being done. Uh, And Orla Muldoon, in her article, says that seeing the patterns will help us to see the policy actions that we need to take in order to tackle 
the issue a zero tolerance policy towards all forms of male aggression and violence in both public and private spheres would be a good start however hard it may be however hard it may be to hear it is some not all but too many men's behaviour that is the issue not women's women know it could have been any of us and she says I am sorry it was Ashley Murphy RIP it would have been preferable for her to have lived in peace that's uh, Orla Muldoon's or part of Orla Muldoon's article in the Irish Times today Michael Reed on LMFM. Some people in touch with us uh, this morning who are really very upset. Uh, it really is hard to contemplate what happened and it is indescribable, I think, for some people to express how strongly they feel about it. Pat and Navin says there is no justice in this country as things currently stand stand for this despicable crime. Uh, Whoever did it doesn't deserve to live. Uh, I think Pat is suggesting you bring back the death penalty for things like this. Uh, Somebody else saying why don't people condemn smutty sexy jokes and speak out against sexy films porn films I take it or uh, the use of Viagra and that sort of thing instead of uh, talking about what to do with people after the problem. Uh, Let's uh, get some more thoughts now from Anne Larkin this time of Women's Aid in Dundalk. Good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today and what are your thoughts today? Okay initially Michael my thoughts today are for that family you know for Ashling's family who came into this war into this week full of the, the prospect of a new year you know things getting better from a Covid perspective please God and on Wednesday, their life was turned upside down forever. Ashling's life was ended on Wednesday because of the actions of a perpetrator of violence against women. That's a story that, while it's shocking as we hear it so fresh this week, and it has brought the country's attention to this, it's not an unfamiliar story to us. The very place that Ashling was killed was the site of another woman's disappearance. Women are not safe, unfortunately, in Irish society. And it's much more than turning on lights and going out in pairs and all of that that can help to change this. What we're looking at is, like, all around the country today, services who work with women who have been abused um, by men, women and children who have been abused and hurt by men. This is a familiar Unfortunately, it is the end result for an awful lot of the people we've worked with over the years. But we're we're looking at this, and we know it's a difficult, um, a difficult thing to face for society. We're familiar with the way professionals, politicians, uh, the administration, and the public they can shy away and try and avoid this social issue of male violence against women. It's an epidemic. It has been said that very clearly by Leo Varadkar um, previous to COVID. And we can't, like Ashling, you know, there's, there's no... Ashling was out minding her own business. It was broad daylight. So none of the usual safety precautions can apply here. It wasn't dark, all of that. So the issue is within our society. How do we as a society keep our citizens safe, but in particular our women and children? Um, for us this morning, you know, there has been such an outpouring of support for Ashling's family, an outpouring of an expression of people's 
you know, shock and horror and disbelief. And yet this is reality for thousands of women in this country every day. The fear of this may be happening. There's a real fear this morning as well that the killer is at large. Yeah, and I can I can sense that. Like yesterday, there was a sense that, you know, this young woman was killed by someone she didn't know, just a random attack. But I'd say to you this morning, Michael, that there are many potential killers in the homes in Ireland today. There is a man, presumably a man, on the loose in Offaly. And please, God, there's been huge support from Angarda Siakana about this. I've read that there were 50 officers deployed to this case. With the help of the community, somebody will know something, and you can only implore people today, anything, come forward to the guards and bring this case to a closure for the, the family, but also for the safety of the community in Offaly. But I'd say again, there's more than this one person that needs the attention of the nation. We need to be looking at this and seeing what can we do in local communities um, and at national level. And what Safe Ireland would say and members of Safe Ireland is we need a political response to this. There needs to be political will. We need an integrated, a single ministry for domestic, sexual and gender-based violence. There's so much has to be done from grassroots the whole way through to where the power is held in this country. And unless we grasp that and come out in a very forceful way across all elements of it, we need to be recognising and working with perpetrators of violence. It's no good sitting here this morning condemning this act of violence. And we're not saying that all men are perpetrators of violence, but it's time that men, women, we need to speak out. We need to rally now. We need to be changing the culture that allows men to think that this is acceptable. Um, Huge, huge part to play. We all have a part to play in making, you know, improvement for women's safety. And it's not sufficient to put it down to the mechanical or the gadgets. You know, women are keeping themselves as safe as they possibly can. But it's not enough. We can't do it on our own. We need community. We need men. We need government to rally on this issue because it's not a women's issue. For every woman that's killed, there's a man, there's a family, there's children, there's friends, neighbours, there's colleagues. The impact of Ashling's death is going to be felt for years to come. The loss of what she would have contributed to society, to her community, to the children she taught, to her friends and her colleagues who she would have supported when they were struggling, who would have supported her. That loss is immeasurable because of the action of one person. But we need to be looking at this as more than that horror that happened on Fiona's way on Wednesday of this week. Cahill in Mornington said he had to text in. He just uh, couldn't not. As a, a man, he's disgusted, angry and ashamed. He says it isn't a female problem, it's a male no. problem. Ashling yeah. wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong no. time. What the hell is wrong with some men? It isn't all men, but it could be any man. And fathers need to, to teach their sons to treat women with decency and respect. Thank you, Cahill in Mornington. I think people will be heard right across the country today.
today. The Women's Council vigil in Dublin at four, a vigil in Bettystown on the beach at four, in Oldcastle at four, in Navan at four, at half four in Drogheda, at half four in Castle Blaney, at half six in Kells, and at seven o'clock in Dundalk. And I'm sure you'll be at that as well, Anne. Indeed, I think you'll be yeah. speaking at that this evening. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks very much, Michael. That's Anne Larkin of Women's Aid in Dundalk. Fianna Fáil Senator Erin McGreehan is on the line now and a very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. And can you tell us what your thoughts are today? Well, first off, Michael, um, I want to pass on my deepest condolences to, to the Murphy family, to everyone who knew Ashton and to all everyone who knew and loved Ashton. And I'm sure that she was, I, we know that she was a fantastic young woman and had such a fantastic life Um in front of her and sadly that we they won't, they won't get she won't get to live that and it's just incredibly tragic I don't even have I barely have the words Michael I just find this so deeply upsetting and listen to all your previous contributors there and the the, the article you read out it just, everything just strikes strikes at me and, and upsets me and it's just I I think I'm glad that the response has been so strong but as you know, Michael, you know, many of us women have been speaking about this. And I spoke about, you know, on, on a very basic level, the public harassment, harassment in, in places of work. And it all feeds into this and uh, downgrading of a, of a female body as something that, has, as, you know, that takes away that dignity and takes away that person. The sexualization of a woman is saying that she is just something that, um, that someone can just take, assault, abuse. And then murder, and um, like I'm just exhausted. I think I, I don't know how many times I've I've cried over the past um, number of days since the news um, came out about about this young girl. I just find it devastating. And you know, I I you know on a personal level, I run like I run on quiet quiet country roads. But you know, you go on a, on a quiet road, and and you think you look around, and you think, gosh. If I if a car pulled up here now and I screamed, who would hear me? Um, where would I go? What would I do? How would I how would I defend myself? And you constantly think that, and I I don't think that just because of of what happened and when uh, to Ashton this week, I've thought that forever, um, and that is the base baseline fear and de- default of most women. And yesterday morning I went for a run. And I don't know how many times I look behind myself, uh, checking myself and thinking about Ashling and thinking about that, you know, it could be any of us. It could be all of us. And I just, I, I just cursed the world, Michael, that made me more paranoid in my, in my run. I cursed the world that made young girls more afraid to go out by themselves and, and be an independent and, and, and free person like they should be. And I just, I just, I feel tired, I feel exhausted, and I feel like the world has just let down and our society, has let down women, has let down our young women growing up and listening to this on the radio, that women are afraid. And it's just, it's just overwhelming, to be honest. I have a text from Derek in Drogheda, uh, and um, maybe uh, there's an argument that women need to speak up, women need to be heard, women need to make us understand, to make men understand what the problem is because I don't think, Derek, 
does understand. He was listening to Imelda Munster say that every woman has experienced a threat of violence. He says that's a horrendous thing to say and only adds to the narrative that all men are the same. But whether all men are the same or not, and I don't think they are, and I think it's probably a minority of men who act that way, but I think it is true that every woman has experienced some sense of fear or not feeling safe. Is that right? Absolutely. I don't know any woman who hasn't been molested, been groped, um, has been has been a subject to um, being made feel really uncomfortable in the, in, in the company of of men um, with with sexual comments, with with rape jokes, with just um, making things just seem just silly comments that just make you so uncomfortable. It feeds into a culture of acceptability. And people say, oh, it's only a joker issue. It's only, I, I was only whipping at her. I was only shouting at her going down the street. So what harm am I? But that is harmful because once you make a woman feel uncomfortable and you put the thoughts of fear and what if into the mind of a woman, then you are threatening. And, you know, we know we all know that not all men do this, but we all know that that man that we do not know, or indeed we do know as Anne Locke and quite rightly said, could be the one that, do, that does that. Okay, Julie texted saying she's had two very uncomfortable episodes with two separate men in a venue in the last two weeks. Uh, Another man also made a comment about how she looked and said, sure, you can't blame them. When, yeah. I, when she told him uh, uh, about the two other episodes. And Julie says, I'm a middle-aged person and these men were in their 60s. What hope has a young girl got these days? Yeah, and, and uh, it, it, we really do have to... If you, you said a, a previous texter doesn't understand what making someone uncomfortable um, is and what sexualized comments, what the, the cause or the, the, the reaction that a female has to be... To be confronted with a sexualized comment or just uh, just uh, that harassment. I, I, I think the problem was that Derek didn't think that every woman experienced it. Yeah, and, mm. and but, but, but the thing is, mm. he says that women should start speaking out. Mm. We have been speaking out. Women's Aid have been around for decades. I've been speaking out. Anne Larkin has been an incredible lady. Um, I, I know her well from Women's Aid and Dog, who has been speaking out. We have been speaking out. And I just, um, on an on a overall issue, when you think the society needs to educate themselves, Michael, okay. we need, and, I, and I'm a member of government and I, and I, and I have, you know, huge problems with, with what, what, what's happening and we need, you know, there is something seriously wrong that 10% of assault victims report crimes. Well, people will be speaking out today at these vigils right around the country and there's an awful lot of them locally. I'm asked to add Ashburn to our list, a a vigil in Ashburn at four o'clock. I'll add that to the list and read out the full list And there's uh, one RD as well, Michael, sorry, um, at four o'clock. An RD at four o'clock as well. Very good. Okay, we'll add that to the list and any more that are taking place if people want to contact us uh, and I'll read out that full list uh, again later in the programme. I'm sure you'll be hearing it through the day on LMFM. Uh, But thank you indeed, Fianna Senator Aaron McGreehan. 
Now, it's uh, the same question for all of uh, the women who are joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. And uh, the next woman to join us is Nolene Blackwell, who's uh, the Chief Executive Officer of uh, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Good morning to you, Nolene, and thank you for joining us. What are your thoughts today? Well, well, first of all, again, to join with everybody else who is so sorry, so um, upset for the family, colleagues, the family and colleagues and pupils of Ashling Murphy, uh, but particularly the family and for all they have to cope with now, it is just desperate for them. So then just, I mean, to recognise as well, and we do, um, that this is a tragedy for them, but it is also a reminder uh, to so many that women are not are not fearful today because of what happened Ashley Murphy two days ago. They are reminded that they are fearful the whole time because women believe and understand that they have to be fearful uh, in the society we live in. So I suppose that's part of the reason it is such a big deal um, that we are reminded in this awful way that, you know, this is a death, but women are assaulted regularly. We wouldn't exist or we would have less to do in Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and in the other rape crisis centres around the country if women weren't assaulted and, and assaulted by men and if women weren't in fear of being assaulted and harassed. You know, because it, it can vary so much. It can vary from um, the, uh, the, the, the verbal bullying at work uh, to the public harassment on a street to the to to the to the non uh, unwanted uh, advances physical advances and then it can advance to the criminal behavior uh, the worst of which is um, is the killing of a woman uh, by a man but it is it's it's a it is patterns of behavior that women are familiar with and that women guard against all the time um, and so so saying things like, for instance, and I've said it myself, it was broad daylight on a bright afternoon, makes it sound as if, you know, it would be that bit more understandable if it was after dark. But there is no way that somebody, anybody, should be in fear of walking because of their gender, should be in fear of running because of their gender, or should be just in fear because of their gender. So it is, um, it's a question um, I do uh, hope that the Gardaí will get all the resources they need in order to hold uh, the killer of Ashley Murphy to, to account quickly. Um, but that won't that that's not the only issue. The issue that is making so much, taking so much of your time today, and, and necessarily so, is that this is another reminder, if we needed it, that the, that our society is less safe for women than it is for men. And that's just a reality that we have to address as a society, that our our politicians, our policymakers have to make the safest possible society, have to implement legislation that exists, have to make sure that, um, say, workplace harassment is made more difficult and, and that those who cause that kind of harassment are the people who have to leave their jobs, not that happens right now very often, the women who are harassed. It goes from that kind of thing to ensuring then that more generally 
that our young people are given the tools that they need to call out harassment when it happens in our schools. And we are still in a stage that was recognised by the minister, the then Minister for Education, Minister Bruton, four years ago now, that our, our curriculum in relation to consent in our secondary schools was last changed in 1999. And that that is unacceptable in an age where children are being educated about pornography at the age of 8, 9 and 10 on their phones and that is their understanding of what women should look like, how they should act towards women, how boys should act towards girls and how men should act towards women. So that has to change and then more generally all of us have to remember that we do allow um, we allow things to happen and I am still really flummoxed by the uh, court case down in Cork last year where the where the victim of a sexual assault a serious sexual assault gave evidence uh, that she was that there was there was evidence given that people videoed the assault taking place and did not intervene. So we accept at a society level, we accept harassment and we're embarrassed to call it out and that's not good enough. Uh, should we change our terminology? Uh, I have about 30 seconds, Nolene, and the Minister for Justice will be with us after the headlines, but should we look on all sexual assault as serious sexual assault? We should look at it all as serious. And that doesn't, serious doesn't necessarily mean criminal. There are things that are absolutely unacceptable in civilised society that aren't criminal, but you, we don't do them. But so we have to, we can't just make everything a crime because that won't solve the issue. But we should take it all very seriously. So the Minister for Justice will have to work on that society uh, awareness thing and society not accepting it anymore. And by society, I mean all the genders, all of us, because sometimes women tolerate it as well and they don't have the language and they feel embarrassed calling it out because they are then seen as the troublemaker, the prude that they're called PC as if that was something wrong to be correct, uh, to be correct in politics and in in behaviour so I think all sexual assault should be treated as a serious breach of respect for somebody else Um, and and it is a matter for the Minister for Justice but it's not just her, it is also uh, all the other ministries and I, I definitely, the more you know the more i see the more i see the need for um all every single part of our political life of our public life has to understand what is in our program for government that this is an epidemic there is an epidemic we don't know whether ashling murphy's um death had a had an element of um sexual uh, assault we, we might know that for a long time but the reality is that sexual violence happens because a lot of the time men do not respect women in smaller ways in in ways that are not necessarily okay. criminal, but they yeah. are not respecting women. Nolene, and, uh, when, and when that can continue, then we then it can escalate. Nolene, I'm over time. I'll read out your helpline number after the headlines, but thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Nolene Blackwell is the Chief Executive Officer of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. 
Michael Reed on LMFM. The Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, joins us now. Good morning, Minister, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. People will want to hear from you in your capacity as Minister in particular when so many people are hoping that there will be justice for Ashling Murphy. But uh, before uh, I ask you some questions in respect of that, can I ask you to step back from it and talk to us from a personal perspective? Uh, and maybe you could tell us what your thoughts are today. Well, Michael, maybe if I could just add to to your speakers this morning in, again, offering my condolences to Ashling's family and to all of her friends and, and her wider community. Um, this, you know, there, there is a family in absolute grief and indeed a community in grief, but also a country, I think, in grief. Um, there isn't a newspaper or a, an airway or a TV screen that we're turning on or listening to or reading and that this is not being discussed. Uh, and I, like many people, am devastated at what has happened. Um, I'm devastated for, for so many reasons. Um, a young woman has lost her life. A young woman has been murdered. Someone who was at the very beginning of her life um, and had so much to do and, and, and such a, a life to lead um, for this to happen. is absolutely devastating. Um, I said yesterday that this was every woman's worst nightmare. And I meant that sincerely because I suppose I'm listening to, to Aaron and other speakers on your show this morning um, it, it's very hard to understand when you're going about your daily daily business going for a walk out and about in a place that, that you know you feel is safe for something like this to happen um, it, it is devastating and, and I share people's sense of shock and anger and frustration um, at what has happened as Minister for Justice you know in, in my official capacity and role um, what's important now is that absolutely Everything that can be done will be done and the Gardaí and the Commissioner in particular has assured me that that is the case. Every resource that is required here will be made and is being made available um, to the local team in Tullamore. Um, And what's important now, and you've just mentioned at the top of the the news headlines, is that where people have information, and while I appreciate many of the listeners today um, on your show are are from Louth and Meath and mightn't have been in the area, perhaps somebody might have um, been in the area that day around that time, if you have any information, um, to please come forward with it. If you have any information about the mountain bike, uh, Falcon Storm mountain bike, which has green handlebars and, and the rest of it is black, or indeed if you have dash cam footage, uh, many people now have that in their car, which might have picked up something in the area at the time to come forward, because all of this information will be absolutely vital in making sure that whoever is responsible for this is, is caught and that ultimately Ashling is, uh, that, that justice is done for Ashling. Mm. There's a very dangerous person on the loose, it would seem. Well, you know, again, I think people are waking up to um, developments in the case and without getting into to the specifics of the case, um, the Gardaí have been carrying out their investigation. They've been gathering information. They have been conducting interviews. There has been forensic uh, evidence that has been identified. And based on that, um, a person has been eliminated from their inquiries um, what's important now is that they can continue that investigation. Again, that's where the community and everybody else is so important here that they provide their information to the, the inquiries that whoever is responsible for this is caught. And what's most important and what people want to know is that the person who is responsible for this is caught. Um, and, right. and I appreciate that there's a sense of shock. I appreciate that people are fearful. I appreciate that people are scared. But what is important is that they know that everything is being done here to make sure that whoever has done this, that they are caught. Okay, the bicycle makes me wonder if Guardia are working off uh, the assumption that uh, the killer is 
local person, somebody who lives in uh, the Tullamore area, uh, and if uh, they're satisfied that that is the case, and if that is so, are they giving specific uh, advice to women in particular in Tullamore for uh, the coming days, or are they uh, giving uh, advice uh, in respect of the danger that this man poses generally in case he moves moves out of uh, the area to people uh, across the country? Well, I think what the Gardaí are saying in respect of the bike is that it is an important element of the investigation. That is why they have focused in on this. Um, if there is anything further that they require or anything else in terms of um, asking the public, they will, of course, um, come out with that today. Uh, I have no doubt. But in general, I mean, what's important here is, is um, that women and in general, the local community feel safe and know um, that everything is being done possible to identify this person um, and to, to, to bring them to justice. Um, you know, this goes back to the to the wider question. And, and again, I was listening to your discussion with Nolan Blackwell and others. You know, unfortunately, this raises the question about women in general feeling safe. What can we as a community do? How can we all come together to call out uh, where we see violence, intimidation, assault against women? Uh, and unfortunately, it, it, it's not always the case. Women do feel unsafe um, in many instances, and, and there's so much more that needs to be done um, to deal with this issue. And, and unfortunately, this this murder has only just highlighted um, that work that needs to be done and, and how we need to come together to, to tackle violence against women and to eliminate it. The ultimate aim and goal should be that there is zero tolerance for any kind of violence, harassment, intimidation, assault against women. Uh, that has to be our goal. That has to be our objective here. That you know, that there has to be something to, to, to come out of all of this. Is there a, an onus on you now as the Minister to, of Justice to act so that women can feel safe and have you the wherewithal to do that or is it something that should be tackled by all ministers as Nolene Blackwell was saying that instead of uh, talking about serious sexual assault we talk about all sexual assault being serious a serious breach of respect for somebody else's rights and that uh, there are societal questions and society needs to answer those questions because not only not not always will actions be a a crime uh, but uh, that doesn't make them acceptable. When it's a, a sexual offence, it is always unacceptable. I, I, I think Nolene is right. I think this is not just about the criminal justice system, which is, of course, extremely important. It's about all of society. In saying that, I have been leading um, across all of government a, a response to domestic violence. And in the coming weeks, I will publish the third national strategy on domestic and sexual violence. And the overall goal of this strategy, which is whole of government strategy, we've spent the last year working across all departments from education to health to housing uh, to our equality brief, my own injustice, where obviously supporting victims and and making sure the criminal justice system supports them. Um, It's about zero tolerance for violence against women. And a huge part of that is changing um, how society views this. It's calling us out. I mean, the idea that somebody could be assaulted and that others would take out a phone and record it, it's absolutely appalling. We need to call it out. We need to, to, to stop it when we see it happening. And we need to not accept it as something that just happens in our society. And I've said this so many times when I published my own um, plan on supporting a victim's journey, how we improved the criminal justice system last year. 
I said that we will look back on this issue in years to come and ask ourselves, mm. why did we tolerate it for as long as we have? And the reason for that is the vast majority of violence that happens against women, that is perpetrated against women, it's by people that they know, somebody close to them, it's in their home, it's in a setting that is familiar, mm. and for some reason that has been tolerated in society. And I think we have to say now, no more is that going to be tolerated. What is awful, I think... Or, or, any type of violence is awful. I think what people are finding hard to comprehend is the the defenselessness, but also the randomness of the attack that took place um, only this week against Ashling. Uh, that this was not someone that was known to her. That this is not uh, in a familiar setting, uh, i.e., her home or something like that. Um, and that is, I think, what people are trying to comprehend. But the wider picture here, mm. um, it is about calling this out in society and not accepting it as, as, as simply something that happened. And, and the point many people have made this morning about the wider picture is that the origin is in schoolboys' jokes, in what they're watching on their phones, in workplace harassment and so on. And then you get to a stage of so- assault. Should all sex crimes uh, be treated more harshly? Should there be stiffer sentences? Uh, should there be a different approach taken to repeat offenders and a different approach taken to bail given to sex offenders or those accused of sex offences? Do you know, I, I think every avenue and every option has to be explored. Um, I recently brought forward a new sex offenders bill, uh, which is being implemented, which again puts in place more stringent measures and, and actions around uh, sex offenders and how we monitor and manage them. Uh, there's work currently underway through the Judicial Council looking at sentencing. In particular, some of the first work that they're doing is around sexual assaults. Um, but separate to that, you know, the education piece, the national strategy that I will publish in the coming weeks, there will be a focus on education. So working with our Minister for Education, looking at primary school, looking at secondary school, beyond that, how do we engage with young people? How do we uh, explain to them what is acceptable, what is not? You know, the, it's the small things sometimes, it's the comments, it's the, the non-criminal elements that you've just mentioned that allow and enable the more serious attacks to take place. So it's about really starting from the very beginning. How do we ensure that women are treated with respect in our society and at the serious end of it where someone is assaulted? Or, sorry, to, to your point, it's all serious, but where somebody is assaulted and, and whether you're a victim... Um, of, of a physical or any other kind of assault or indeed murder, that it is treated with, with the utmost of seriousness. Okay. Uh, Minister, uh, just uh, on a separate subject, but uh, another very important subject uh, before you leave us uh, today, uh, it'll be a big week, uh, the coming weeks will be very important uh, for people living in this country who are not documented uh, and uh, things will change uh, at uh, the end of uh, the month. Uh, you've been announcing that this week, uh, that the scheme is uh, about to open for people who wish to regularise their status in this country? Yes, so before Christmas I spoke to you about the undocumented scheme which was published um, and launched at the beginning of December. This is a scheme that will allow people who have been living in an undocumented way, so those who have either arrived without documentation or who have fallen out of um, status in this country, that they will now have an opportunity to regularise their status uh, you know, I said to you before, these are people living in our community, working, their children are in our schools, uh, and we want to ensure that they are treated in the same way uh, as those Irish undocumented in other countries, the, the way that we would like them to be treated. The scheme, as promised, will open at the end of this month, the 31st of January, uh, and for people who want to understand and know the type of documentation, uh, the eligibility details that they, they need and, and the, the information that they require to apply 
is, is available to them on justice.ie and I would encourage obviously anybody to look at that and, and to start to gather their information. This will be open for six months but it is a closed scheme after that six months uh, so I would encourage people to come forward. Um, but again, if I could just stress um, while we talk about the wider picture of safety and, and this is a conversation that you know I, I'm glad we're having and I'm sorry about the circumstances. Um, I have to offer my condolences again and to reassure people everything will be done to make sure that justice is brought about for Ashley Murphy. Okay, Minister, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us on the programme. The Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. And just to mention, the Dublin Rape Crisis Helpline is one eight hundred seventy seven eighty eight eighty eight. And if you wish to contact uh, Dun- Dundalk Women's Aid, the number is 042-933-3244. That's 042-933-3244. Michael Reed on LMFM. Another woman for us uh, to speak to and uh, the same question uh, for our next guest, who's Sinn Féin Councillor in Drogheda, Joanna Byrne. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for joining us. What are your thoughts today? Good morning, Michael. Um, Firstly, my my thoughts uh, and my prayers are with the family, the friends and the loved ones of Ashling Murphy, who as we speak at this very moment, are, are living through their, their worst nightmare. It, it, it's unbelievable to think that they're, they're enduring this today. Um, there, there's a couple of things that stand out to me in the wake of this brutal murder, and, and one of them is is the it's evident that this has reawakened a fear in every woman throughout this nation. Um, and I think you can see that in the outpouring of grief, of sympathy, of support to women that's coming from every corner of the country. And I think that is coming because I firmly believe every woman has that fear inside her. And it's it's instilled through personal experiences, life experiences, and maybe walking down a road in the dark and, and feeling uncomfortable and looking over your shoulder. And maybe that you know somebody who's suffered um, at the hands of domestic violence. Or it could just be... Um, incidents like this throughout our country where we're seeing women brutally killed in their homes by people they know, by loved ones that that they trust or out in public daylight on public walkways like Ashling Murphy um, this week. So I think the two things are connected and the the support is overwhelming and it's, it's, it's fantastic to see women coming together in solidarity today. I think there's a vigil in every town and country or town and uh, county throughout the country and that's fantastic but it's purely instilled by the fear I believe that lies in every woman in this nation. Okay, well look, thanks for sharing those thoughts with us uh, today. Joanna Byrne, Sinn Féin Councillor in Drogheda. Now let's go to the Minister for European Affairs uh, who has been very, very patient and thank you for your patience and for bearing with us this morning because we are hearing uh, an outpouring of grief and indeed uh, uh, an expression uh, from women uh, about the lives uh, that a lot of us as men don't understand uh, that they have uh, to live, whether that's uh, Ashling Murphy or the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, who made similar comments to what we heard there a moment ago from Joanna Byrne, or I'm sure it's uh, probably the case with Liz Truss, who's uh, now negotiating on behalf of the UK uh, in terms of the Northern Ireland Protocol and Brexit. She'll hold a second uh, day of talks with Maris Sefcovic uh, today. Good morning to you, Minister. Thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, and of course, uh, this uh, very important from an Irish perspective. Yeah, well, Michael, if you don't mind, first, I'd also like to join in the in the outpouring of, of not just sympathy for the family of Ashling Murphy, but the, the rage, I think, that everybody feels 
uh, particularly women, but I think that, that every everybody feels that anger. Even last night out for a walk, my own wife, she was a few steps ahead of me. I was, you know, these thoughts come into your head. My daughter, who's who's out and about, uh, and, and all of her friends as well. And actually what I noticed last night, um, I noticed a lot of people running together. Um, now, I know that happens in New Year anyway, but I really felt it was pronounced last night as I was uh, driving around the place. Um, and I think that the, that's not just a safety thing, which of course it is, but also I think it was maybe an act of solidarity, which we're seeing, we're seeing today, and I think almost every town of the constituency, um, and we're seeing tomorrow as well, the different runs being organised too as well. I certainly encourage people to uh, to go along. I think we've all we've all been affected in, in some way, uh, but of course the family are, are deep in our thoughts um, and uh, absolute support and encouragement to the Gardaí to get uh, the person who did this and encourage anybody who has any information about this crime uh, to ring the Gardaí absolutely confidentially. Okay. Minister, uh, tell us a, a, a little bit about uh, what you're hoping for from uh, these talks that are taking pl- place in London. Well, of course, we're hoping for uh, an end to this uh, ongoing saga uh, with the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, I think what we've seen today and yesterday, I think, is really a marked difference uh, between what has happened over the last six or eight months. We've seen, I think, to be fair to Liz Truss, um, seeking an opportunity uh, to have a really deep and meaningful engagement with Mara Sepkovic. She was invited to, and his team were invited to stay at evening, which is her official residence. And I think that that's very, very good because I think it's more than just as, as they were before. I think going in and out in the, the, the Eurostar train from Brussels, um, having a set piece meeting for a number of hours. But here there was an opportunity to have those formal discussions, but also a get to know you session, which actually is very, very important. Uh, from a from a diplomatic point of view, and also for the ongoing relationship, and it's not just between Liz Truss and Mara Sefcovic, but also their teams as well. Because when the politicians move on, as as, as happens, uh, the civil servants, the the teams are still there. Uh, I think it's really really important that there would be very very good relations at all levels between the European Union and Britain, not least because of the situation in Northern Ireland, which they're discussing at the moment, uh, but just in general as well. I think it's important to have good relations. Uh, from everybody's point of view in, in the aftermath of Brexit. So, you know, the Commission obviously has put their cards on the table some months ago, as the British government did. Um, and I think what we need to see is just really an end to this to this process. Mm. Um, what, what, what we're seeing increasingly from Northern Ireland, though, is positive vibes from business. Um, I think that's really, really important because that means jobs, that means investment, that means progress in society. It also gives politicians who want to bring down the protocol or... or you know, who, who talk about institutional issues and, and talking about the assembly, and thank God that has moved on a bit. I think uh, in a positive direction, but it also gives people less excuse to get involved in those kind of political games because um, the economy would suffer, and we see that the economy is starting to progress. People are seeing less difficulties with the protocol. The big issue uh, that I can see, particularly among unionists, of a problem with, with with the protocol, is the issue of customs. Um, and I know the commission has put forward really good proposals on that, and that's where I'd really like to see movement. I think if you see good movement on that, as we have already from the Commission and we see agreement on it, uh, that that could actually be uh, the thing that moves us on and gets us ready then for a an Assembly election where this is not the dominant issue. OK, but uh, that's a hope. Uh, it, it may not be one that comes uh, true and uh, I would imagine that whatever little excuse uh, there is, uh, it's also true to say uh, that there are unionist politicians who are, are finding excuses and they've been buoyed up by utterances from Liz Truss, indeed, uh, the article uh, that she wrote in uh, the Sunday Telegraph last week. And again, 
threatening to invoke Article 16? Well, look, you know, I mean, that's been the British position for quite some time. Um, but we've seen that the, 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 the threats of that really have, have not materialised. I think for very good reason, because when you actually start to look at what invoking Article 16 would mean, as we said before, I think it's become clear that it doesn't mean the protocol goes. It effectively means the talks will continue. Um, and I just wouldn't bring any anyone further anyone any further on except to bring instability to Northern Ireland and to damage some of that economic progress that's already been made. So I think I think people would be be conscious of that. Now I I met Liz Trust there last month. Um, I she has a lot of issues on her on on her plate, not just Northern Ireland. So I think it's really really welcome that she's given giving this um time to this issue. Um, and I I imagine from a British government point of view they they have a lot going on not just in terms of mm. domestic politics but also in the uh, the, the the global scene uh, that they will want to ensure this issue isn't a distraction. And it's certainly from, true to say that all Tory MPs have an awful lot on their plate at the moment. Uh, do you think uh, that there's a question over the fact that there is a question over the leadership of uh, the Conservative Party is unhelpful at this moment in time in ter- terms of these negotiations? Well, look, we, we can only deal with um, whoever's in power at the time. Um, so the politicians obviously give directions and will make ultimate decisions as to whether to bring this to a conclusion. But we, we can't get involved with the internal politics or internal leadership issues. There's a prime minister there, there's a secretary of state there. That's who you deal with at the time. David Frost was there two months ago. He's gone. We deal with Liz Truss now. That's what we can do. But the point I made earlier, though, that the enduring contacts between officials will last. I mean, one of you know the, the people who are there on the British side have been there for quite a number of years in different administrations. Uh, on European issues. So they bring that to the table. Yes, it's the politicians who make the decisions, uh, but we keep going uh, with um, with who we have, and that, that's all that we can deal with to try to, to make those relations. But we do see, you know, Tory MPs were very supportive of the protocol, very supportive of bringing this to an end, and we see very strong support, I would say, from the Labour Party as well, and the Liberal Democrats, Scottish Nationalists. So there is a lot of support in the House of Commons, no matter who's in power, uh, to try to bring some stability to Northern Ireland, uh, and I'm, at, by the way, I'm absolutely confident after the assembly elections in in, in this year uh, that there will be still a majority in support of the protocol in the Northern Ireland Assembly, as there is today. And again, it's always worth reminding ourselves of that because certainly some months ago, uh, you get the impression from the media that everybody in Northern Ireland was up in arms about it. What we're seeing from manufacturing Northern Ireland, they've issued statements uh, today, is that businesses are getting used to the protocol. They're working with it. There are uh, fewer businesses having difficulties with the protocol. Uh, fewer businesses are having difficulties with the European Union as well because there was some confusion in European countries about how they deal with Northern Ireland, some misunderstanding of the protocol. We, we've worked over the last number of months to try and uh, clear that up um, in, in, in other European countries. That seems to be working as well. And I think that's, that's really, okay. really positive. Minister, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning uh, and thanks uh, indeed for the patience uh, we asked of you uh, because of a, a very busy programme today as well. Uh, that's uh, Minister of State, the Minister for European Affairs, Thomas Byrne. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now, thanks to Daryl uh, for calling the show today, although he tells a terrible story about his daughter who he says has had her bottom slapped and she's being groped on separate occasions walking through Drogheda, both occasions by older men, older than himself, so they're over 40. Once when she was 14, the last time before Christmas, after she turned 17, and both incidents happened during broad daylight in a public place. Uh, a woman in 
touch a 74-year-old uh, who tells us she goes for a walk every morning on the new walkway in Kells at about half eight and she says that since Ashling's tragic murder uh, and knowing that that monster who did this is still at large I'm in fear of going for my walk it's horrible that this brutal attack will leave many women afraid to continue doing their exercise uh, something that they enjoy and it's good for their mental health Ashling's killer must be found and may Ashling rest in peace it's not all men says a listener in Navin uh, unquote it's not an appropriate response anymore to say that it's not all men it never was however we feel as men women are fearful of all men every man is a threat the presumption is a threat from the woman's perspective it is the responsibility of the man to rebut that presumption if I happen to be walking behind or towards a woman I get out of the way to ensure that the woman doesn't see me as a threat we need to take action as men and work as a collective group to make the women of our communities feel safe as I say that's uh, from a listener in Navana thanks for sharing that thought with us we've had a a lot of women on the programme sharing thoughts with us today we're going to have another woman join us now and this time uh, it's Colette Nugent Nugent, you'll have heard Colette on the programme speaking uh, about lockdown and pubs and so on. Uh, in the past uh, she's uh, the manager of uh, the Market Bar in Drogheda. A very good morning to you Colette and thank you indeed uh, for joining us today. What are your thoughts today? Uh, good morning Michael. Um, well like everybody else we're just numb. Uh, you know I take this opportunity on behalf of all the publicans in Louth to give or extend our sympathies. It's just you know for anybody to be living in fear is just unacceptable and what's happened to that young lady with her whole life in front of her is just mind numbing. Um, you know, the sexualization and abuse, or we think that's acceptable, you know, the rude remark or the lewd remark or the dirty joke or whatever it may be, especially in our environment, we'll say, you know, it, it's, 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 it's like time immemorial. We, ju- we just think it's an acceptable acceptance for the want of a better analogy when it's not. I think it's a case of um, we just stop and think about this now. We think three times before we open our mouth about, is that an acceptable remark to make? Is that acceptable for a young man to make or a young woman? But it goes back to root levels. You know, how, as young people, how are we, how do we think that's acceptable or not acceptable uh, to to act? If we have no respect for ourselves as young people, um, we're not going to respect others in our environment or in our, you know, in our, in our sight. So it's it's a bit like, you know, women have always been sexualized since time immemorial. But, you know, I don't want to be thinking that people out there are fearful of all men. I mean, my job is a male-dominated trade, as is many jobs that women lead in, it's male-dominated. It's not a case of all men are being like this, and I don't think that's what we're, we're looking at. But, however, it's completely unacceptable if somebody can't walk their dog, a female, on her own, or go for a walk or a run or push our baby in a stroller and not feel vulnerable but you know it's 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 completely unacceptable but I think we do have to rethink where how did this come to this stage Michael because is it acceptable for the young boys to wolf whistle is it acceptable for the young girls to wolf whistle it's it's about respecting their own selves and their own body and I heard various other callers there throughout the show this morning and to get a balanced view on it would be that not all men are, you know, capable of this. However, some are. But at the same time, I, you know, there's women out there abusing men as well. But I mean, they're not, I'm not trivialising it in any shape of it. But I think 
for anybody to live in fear. That young lady had her whole life, and here we are now that our family are just in tatters. I mean, the people at Tullamore must be just completely reeling from this. Um, you know, for it to happen, it's a relatively small area, no disrespect to that, but you know, in a close community, it would be something similar to Drogheda. Yeah. I mean, it has to be mind-blowing. Oh, it's much smaller. It's a very small country town. I lived in it for a, a number of years, right. and I'm sure right. that they're reeling, as you say. I think the population's about twelve, fifteen thousand, something like that. Uh, but uh, I don't have the answer country. to it, Michael. Yeah. That's yeah. the issue, yeah. and I don't yeah. think many people do. But it, it, it is horrendous. And I, I mean, where where do we go back to 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 unsexualizing everything? Because all our young people are bombarded with internet now, and social media and how they look and how they're portrayed and how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to behave. Mm. You know, okay. it, it, that's that's not right either. But again, that that's irrelevant. I mean, and as a woman in business, you know, I've never felt that. I've been very lucky. I've been fortunate in that. But, you know, I just think it's it's horrendous what has happened. It okay. really, really is. And, and, I, and I pity everybody that has to try and rethink about this. You know, our law enforcement, Minister of Justice, the Ngardashi O'Connor, all this, the pressure that's on them. But the pressure is on a, on a woman that she can't decide that she can go out for a walk safely in mm. her own yeah. community. Yeah, and that's like what that. needs to change rapidly. Colette, thank you indeed yeah. uh, for Not sharing your thoughts with God us. Thanks, okay, thank you. Let's uh, hear from uh, another woman who lives locally uh, and uh, Fine Gael, Councillor Sharon Tom is on the line. Good morning and thanks for joining us. Uh, can I ask you what your thoughts are today, please? Oh, Michael, I think similarly, and, and, and apologies, I, I didn't hear the, the, the show this morning. I, I was in a meeting, but um, just that, uh, it's, it's just so hard to, to um, articulate how, um, how it's possible, how, how this can possibly happen. Um, it's, it's shocking. It's um, Part of me is so very grateful that I live in a country that is so shocked um, when something like this happens, that as a nation, we have all just completely, it has rocked us all to the core, um, that the, the loss of, of Ashling um, for somebody who is obviously a stranger in my life, um, I, I, I can't begin to describe how I felt, particularly all day yesterday. Um, I just couldn't begin to fathom what what her parents must be going through, what her poor little students, um, because if I can't understand it, how on earth could, could little six or seven-year-olds understand it? Um, and, and, and part of me feels that it's so important that we can't understand it because the, the day that it becomes the norm or that it becomes... Not acceptable because uh, it could never be acceptable. The, the day it stops uh, rocking a nation the way this has is the, the day I will fear for society. So while we still have um, a country that feels as strongly and as as sickened uh, by this act uh, that we do, I, I still feel there is hope. Um, I I happen to live in in the US for a period of my life a long number of years ago and you know on a daily basis the milk cartons your orange juice cartons the leaflets coming in the door with people who are missing uh, children women um, and when I first moved there I thought my god am I supposed to look at these faces and, and remember these faces in, in case I see them somewhere or how do you go about but there was almost a numbness or 
um, an acceptability that this happens regularly in in a nation such as uh, as that. Whereas here, you know, we are small, you know, we are close-knit. The the, the community in Tullamore, I hope they feel the support uh, that they're getting from the whole country. Yeah, um, well, I think they will. with the vigils and, you know, Mm. I, I just... And I, I would imagine the parents and, 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 and siblings are just yeah. numb. It'll be a long, long time before they, they are even aware of, okay. of maybe what, what goes on, what well, has gone on. There'll be vigils right uh, across uh, the country today. Yeah. So I think there will be a great awareness here, there and everywhere. Sharon, thank you indeed uh, for joining us and sharing your thoughts with us uh, this morning. That's Fine Gael, Councillor Sharon Tolan. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now to two of uh, the strongest women I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. They're both big names in uh, the LMFM chapel. Sinead Brazel and Alison O'Reilly. Good morning to both of you and thanks uh, for coming in to share your thoughts with us about uh, this. Everybody has been very moved. Sinead, what are your thoughts today? Hi, Michael. Thanks a million for having me on, first of all. And look at, I think, like the rest of the country, I'm an absolute mix of emotions. I'm, first of all, devastated for Ashling's family, friends and her community in Tullamore. And I'm outraged that this has happened once again to a woman who took every necessary safety precaution that she needed to take before going out for that run and and even this idea of taking the necessary safety precautions is problematic to say the least and I think we can come back to that. You know, I'm angry that we're still living in fear and I'm angry at the so-called justice system in this country that's allowing dangerous men with numerous convictions, many of which, you know, have have a history of assaulting women back out onto our streets. And I'm angry that we're constantly looking over our shoulders. You know, uh, I'm angry that I have to sit down and have another conversation with my 16-year-old daughter about staying safe and being on her guard at all times. And... uh, Michael, I'm angry that nothing is being done to end violence against women. And we're hearing this narrative from men uh, that, oh, you know, it's not all men. That is not helpful to me. I need men to use their voices to support us. And we need men to call out inappropriate behaviour. I mean, if they see a woman being harassed or bothered, they need to step in and, and call this behaviour out. That's, that's what I'm feeling. And at this stage, we need men to teach their sons, their brothers, their friends about consent and about treating women with respect. I was out on a walk, you know, last night with um, a female friend, good friend of mine, and we would walk together quite a lot uh, to feel safer together and just to catch up and all of that. And we were really on edge last night. It wasn't the same. We were very much looking over our shoulder. And this is a reality for so many women around this country. And these vigils that have been organised around the country, it's absolutely brilliant. It's the first step, I think, to, to change. But this can't be just for tonight. It has to continue. And I would be appealing to our local councillors to put enormous pressure on government, to put this on the top of their agenda and start doing something. 
you know, it's not enough to kind of say we stand and we do. Where is your action with this? And it needs to come initially with changing the likes of legislation that allows these men with multiple convictions, numerous of them with with histories of of, of assaulting and, uh, you know, uh, battery even to women allowed out on the street. That that is my views on this. And I'm I'm really wondering and uh, and 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 hoping what when is this going to happen? Um, you mentioned that uh, Alison O'Reilly is on the line and, and, and I'd love to hear what she has to say about this. Hi Sinead, how are you? Hi Michael, thanks a million for having me on the show. Um, oh look, I mean, you know, very powerful words there from, from Sinead and I, I fully agree with you Sinead. It's absolutely shocking what's after happening and it's time and time again that we're hearing of women being attacked. I mean... There was a beautiful woman attacked in Dublin last year and killed. And, I mean, the country was just in uproar over it. And the same things after happening again. And, I mean, when you think of personal safety for women, you're thinking, you know, don't go out late at night time, always go in groups. This was a woman out jogging in the afternoon. And uh, I think that's what's really resonated with people, not that I'm trying to compare uh, the different stories of women and abuse in this country. But I mean, this is a woman who was jogging in an afternoon mm. around Tullamore Town, a lovely little town that I actually know very well because I would have been very good friends with Josephine Pender, whose pregnant daughter Fiona went missing in 96. And that poor woman campaigned for decades for her daughter's um remains to be found and, and, and I mean again Fiona Pender was a woman who was killed and Josephine always accepted that and there was a, you know a suspect in that case as well but it was never ever proven whatever happened to Fiona and I think if Josephine Pender was alive today to hear that this poor girl Ashling Murphy was killed and um, particularly at Fiona's way in Tullamore mm. it would just have absolutely devastated her because it reminds you then that 20 odd years ago Fiona Pender a woman in her early 20s who was heavily pregnant with her first baby was killed and it has n- and that case has never been solved and you know we have the the disappearance of all these women Annie McCart Jojo Dullard all of these we don't have the cases of, of, you know, the missing triangle of men. Mm. And, and, and it's really, really terrifying because, you know, you try and do all the right things when you're out. Particularly, I know, like, I barely go out at night time now. And if I do, my friends, because I live on the other side of Dublin uh, to my friends, they will always take a photograph of the taxi I'm going in. They ring until I'm home. And we have all our little safety codes and messages. But again, that's a night out with a group of girls. Sinead, you were saying you were out walking. It's yep. just a girl out jogging in an afternoon. And it's absolutely shocking. And I just think there's not enough support there for women. not enough safety there. Um, you spoke about, you know, educating our men. I have a lovely brother, you know, and uh, growing up, we were always, you know, you're not allowed to hit your sisters. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And my brother was always a gentleman. My father's a gentleman. I did not grow up in violence. I have two sons, one who's 21 this year, and I have talked to him at great length since he was young. Always respect women. Um, 
if they don't want you to hold the door open for them, then don't. Yeah. Like, always follow your gut feeling, be respectful. If there's an argument, and everybody has the, you know, the potential to explode in an argument, walk away, walk away, walk away. If you see people fighting, walk away or shout for help, or, but never touch a woman, never. Uh, I've no daughters. I've, you know, as I said, my son's 21 this year, and I'm constantly having these conversations with him, and he's a lovely girlfriend, and I'm always trying to, you know, be, you know, and, and, listen to her feelings, know, or be kind, you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, not not sorry to cut across you, Alison, but I think that this is the exact thing that needs to be happening in homes around the country at this stage, sitting down with children and going, this is what is appropriate, this is what is not appropriate. And it's about when young lads are out together or groups of men are out together and you see one in the group acting inappropriately towards a woman, maybe bothering her, even verbally, whatever it is, you need to be man enough to stand up and call out that behaviour because this is what's going to support women and this is the change that we actually need to see. Absolutely, Sinead. And one of the big things that was really worrying at Christmas, and it's happening all year, but Christmas, there was a huge jump in cases. The spiking of women in pubs, young Mm. women. I mean, that is incredible. And I spoke to my son again and his friends and I said, if you see that happening, not only do you intervene, but you also report them and and follow it through. Like people are afraid to come forward with these things. Alison and Sinead, thank you both. Sorry to cut across you. Our time has run out. It's great to hear the voices of women. The voices of women will be heard at four o'clock today in Bettystown, Oldcastle, Ashburn, Dulic, Navan and RD, Drogheda at half four in Castle Blaney, half six in Kells and seven o'clock this evening in Dundalk. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme on Monday. Monday morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.